When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, welcome back to From the Pink Seats podcast. I am Jacob Lane of stateoflouisville.com. This is Matt McGavick from Sports Illustrated. Matt, you've had a busy couple of days, haven't you, my friend? God, a couple of days, try a week. It's been, it's been insane. Camp season is finally here. I mean, it, it's nice to uh, get out there and see the guys and talk to coaches for the first time since the end of the 2020 season. So it was nice to get at that, get out there. It was uh, it's been a, it, it, let's just say if I had hair to pull out, I'd be pulling it out. I, I can join you on the, the hair to pull out train. Uh, my oh, last before week we go any to... further. Yeah. Let's, let's let the listeners know the, uh, the last hour or so. <laughs> well, okay. So for people won't be able to see what I look like. I won't even let you see what I look like right now, but I am a shell of myself. My, my son was born last Wednesday and I've been home since last Friday. Uh, and for those of you who don't know me, I have two kids. I've also got a four year old. So uh, to, to say the last week has been a little hectic, like Matt described, but for all the different reasons, I, I could say that that's true. Yeah, it's been a little bit nuts. My daughter uh, resisted leaving a little bit earlier. Uh, we had somebody from the family come to try to pick her up and take her out of the house for a little bit. Uh, and needless to say, she's still here. So uh, <laughs> that's just kind of how my day is gone. But, you know, I'm ready to talk football. I did a lot of um, listening to press conferences today and uh, catching up on all of the work that you've done over uh, at Sports Illustrated for the Louisville site, uh, Matt. And I got to tell you, man, great job. Great job. You've covered everything from top to bottom. I don't think that I uh, am missing any details. I mean, I feel like I even know, like, what kind of shoes the players were wearing. Well, you know, what the what the new jersey numbers are. You have gone into extravagant details. You've covered the cards the last week. And uh, kudos to you, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. And me going in depth as I have. You, you're, you've, I've pulled out a couple sound bites that I'm, I'm sure a couple of people have seen over on the From the Pink Seats Twitter page. There's, Yeah, that's what we're here for, is to share the, the, the funny <laughs> side of things uh, from right, media day. Right, Not right. so serious. But uh, we got a great show. We're going to spend probably about 25, 30 minutes here talking about uh, the, the first week of uh, fall camp, um, football camp for the Louisville Cardinals. We'll also talk a little bit of NFL, which is where I want to start here, Matt. Talking about the cards in the preseason, uh, we're recording this episode on a Sunday, uh, and as of now, uh, several of the the new guys have debuted for Louisville, uh, you know, former Louisville players: Dorian Etheridge, Javian Hawkins, Tutu Atwell, uh, Des Fitzpatrick. Um, and there's actually been some pretty interesting things to talk about, and I, I want to spend a few minutes diving into that. And also, this whole <clears throat> kind of interesting 
um, narrative going on with Lamar Jackson and, uh, you know, getting COVID for a second time and not, not, you know, being willing to kind of talk about vaccination or, or whether he will do that. It, it just kind of sparked up some interesting conversation around the NFL here locally, but let me just um, throw it out to you. Uh, I'm most impressed with watching Tutu Atwell last night. I, I've got a buddy of mine who I was talking to and he's like, man, I just don't see a way that he's a part of the Rams offense this year. Uh, and I know it's just game one. There's a lot of overreactions, but man, he looks like a, a shiny toy that Sean McVay is very excited to, to play with out there on the field. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, if there's a guy out there that's going to utilize uh, Tutu Atwell's strengths and whatnot, it's going to be Sean McVay. I mean, that's kind of his calling card. That's this has been his niche the last couple seasons uh, with the, well, not even just last couple seasons, just his whole tenure with the, with the Rams. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit, I didn't really see that much of that game. I saw bits and pieces like of, on social media and whatnot. He looked really good in the punt return game, but someone who I was really impressed by over the last couple days in the preseason was Dorian Etheridge. He just balled out for lack of a better term. It seems like any, everyone else on that Atlanta defense wasn't really doing much, but then he goes out, has 13 tackles, three tackles for loss. Literally, he had half the entire team's tackle for loss total, and he had nearly triple the amount of total tackles as the next Falcon. I mean, that I, he still got a bit of an uphill battle because there's a lot of linebackers on that roster kind of competing in training camp for a spot on the 53-man roster. But he took a massive step forward in his journey to actually make an NFL roster. Yeah, he, like, steps onto the field with 10 tackles. Like, I, I mean, he led Louisville as a freshman in tackles, I think, again, as a, as a sophomore, as a junior I mean, he's always been a tackling machine. That's never been, you know, the the um, criticism of his game. But, yeah, it's great to see him get an opportunity as an undrafted guy. Uh, and typically when those guys pop like that pretty early on, you know, and have a performance like that, they end up making the team or at least right. get an opportunity with the practice squad. So you think that that's the case there. On the other side for the Falcons, it, it's hard to judge somebody off of just five carries, but five carries for two yards for JV and Hawkins. He's a guy that's been getting a lot of love, it feels like, from local media there. Um, you know, a lot of people have, have kind of mentioned him as a guy who's probably going to make the roster and have an opportunity to, um, you know, compete with Mike Davis. They don't really have much, much of a running back, you know, stable there after all those years of no. Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman, they've kind of fallen off the last few years. They had Todd Gurley last year, but yeah, I was going to say, wasn't Todd Gurley there? At yeah. Some point? yeah Where's he, he was, now? Is he uh, he's, a, with he's a free agent. No, he's not, he's not even no. in the, in the league right now. It's crazy how he just signed like the, the richest contract in NFL history for a running back like two seasons ago. And now he's not even on the. Uh, on the field that's how fast the nfl comes at you right there yeah that's speaking that just of, shows you how much the nfl doesn't value running backs anymore it, you're exactly right but it also shows how guys like Javian hawkins who are undrafted um you know productive college players who maybe didn't you know show enough on tape or whatever to to get drafted the opportunity is there for him to make the team so uh, definitely worth watching the falcons the next couple of, of games to see what they do there um, but speaking of getting going fast or maybe not getting going fast i thought it was really interesting to see the article, I think it was from like the Tennessee Ledger or you know the Tennessean, the, the Tennessean down there mm -hmm. out of Nashville that covers the Titans. Um, some interesting comments from Mike Vrabel after the Titans game. Um, I not, I can't remember who they played yesterday afternoon, but some interesting the comments. Falcons. They played, <laughs> yeah, the Falcons. Okay, good, yeah, thank you. There, they played about fourteen receivers, um, uh, and and most of them had targets. And interestingly enough, Des Fitzpatrick was not one of the guys that uh, was able to see the field or at least get a target. And then Mike Vrabel after the game, you know, pretty much was clearly saying that he's got to do more. He's got to they got to get more out of him in practice. And um, it's interesting to hear that because that's never been something like the professionalism and the showing up and every rep matters and being mentally locked in. That's never really been like a criticism of Des Fitzpatrick. Right. I mean, you've covered the right. team. I mean, that's never anything you've ever heard from anybody about him. 
No, not particularly. I mean, that that's one that's been one of his calling cards the last in his tenure at Louisville, just someone who's worked incredibly hard, been consistent. So to hear these comments from Mike Vrabel, like with, with the training camp in a way saying that he needs to quote unquote show us more. I think that was his exact quote. It's a little bit surprising, but then but then again, on the flip side of that coin, when you're playing, what was what did you say, 14 receivers? I, it was I mean, it, it's kind of hard of. for someone to show more because I mean there's only so many reps to go around. Yeah, that's true. And I'll give you that as a, as a, you know, kind of a devil's advocate point there, but you know, I, it's interesting you say that because the reps and how many you get in practice, I listened to Scott Satterfield, Brian Brown, both of those guys talked about how 18 reps here, 18 snaps here really gives them um, an, an idea of what they want to do moving forward with how many players get snaps. So it's all about making the most of your snaps and not going out there and, and having mental mistakes or showing that you're not in the playbook or whatever the case is. And so uh, I, you know, as a third round pick, that's a guy that the Titans kind of see potentially being a starter. I've heard, you know, I've seen some reports on Twitter that he's maybe not even a third string player at this point, which would mean Jeez. in most cases, he's not even on the roster, but they're not going to cut their third round pick unless he's just so bad in camp, which, you know, I've seen tape. I mean, I've seen some of the clips going around. I know it's just clips, but you know, I, I don't know. I just, I always expected him to be a guy that would thrive right away. I mean, if he's third string, I think he should be fine just because of how much of an emphasis there is on the passing game in modern football. But you, you get beyond that, then, like you said, he's got a real he's a real concern with maybe not making the roster. Again, it, you don't want to overreact to just, right. just week a pair one. of practices or week right. one, not even week one, like week negative three because it's the first <laughs> week of the preseason. Right. I mean, like – overreactions are common this time of year and, and it's probably not validated but it is at least at the very very minimum mildly concerning that something like this is coming out because like you like we've previously mentioned up to this point effort and you know just grinding it out has not really been something that you need to worry about this was des fitzpatrick yeah, he's always been an effort guy. That's what's gotten him on the field since day one. So, um, you know, hopefully that's just Coach Rabel, uh, you know, a tough guy, won a lot of Super Bowls, expects a lot of out of his, uh, you know, out of his players. Hopefully that's him just trying to find a way to push Des a little bit harder. It might to, be just a motivation tactic. Exactly, right. You see We're just a bunch of idiots just talking nonsense. <laughs> well, you know, we got to we gotta be gas bag somehow and come with a, an opinion based off of zero catches, zero yards in week one. Um, let's kind of turn the, the page here a little bit. I want to continue to talk about the NFL, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because neither – you nor I are guys who want to really dive into the vaccine and, you know, where we are in the NFL with it. But um, I do find it interesting. Some of the conversation that's been had about Lamar Jackson after testing co positive for COVID um, right before training camp or right as he arrived at training camp, we saw an off season. There's always criticism of Lamar Jackson. Should he have been playing on the football field or in the grass, like just dumb stuff. Should he have been mm -hmm. lining up and taking snaps with 14 year olds? Does that mean he's not professional? all this stuff all summer. And then, you know, comes the COVID stuff and it brings up this conversation of, you know, is it, is it, where do we stand with him? Like, can we, do you criticize a guy who's a quarterback um, who's the face of a franchise who's now tested positive twice and has really put his team, you know, when you're not talking about the grand scheme of the virus here and all of the bad things that come with it, but just talking about sports, you know, put his team in jeopardy of not being able to win. And if it happens again down the road and he's got to be quarantined, blah, blah, blah. What, what have you made of all this conversation about Lamar and vaccination? Because it's like, we've seen it with like Kirk cousins and how he's become the butt of the joke. Mm -hmm. I'm really afraid that Lamar Jackson is slowly starting to teeter on that. And if we see another instance where Lamar has to sit out because of a, 
you know, an outbreak or, uh, you know, contact tracing, like it's going to be really bad for his image. Right. Right now, at least. Yeah. Again, like you said, I don't want to dig deep too into much into this because I mean, it's a, it's a controversial subject for some odd reason, but it, it is what it is. But I think Lamar in his current position as a quarterback, as a leader of that team, he almost has a bit of an obligation to maybe get vaccinated because he's the de facto leader of the team. And I can't remember who said it. I, it was, I can't even remember what level of football someone said. No, it was Baker Mayfield that said it. He said, Oh, that you know, it's going to be wise then. If Baker he Mayfield said, said it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. But he made a good point. Damn right. it. Okay. He go said, I believe the Browns were a hundred percent vaccinated or something of that nature. Some they were close to it. And he said it's going to be a competitive advantage. Yeah. And that's 100% the case. And I, I, even Michael Irvin chipped in at one point this offseason that said, hey, if, you're, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't want to win. And th there's some truth to that because, say, Lamar gets COVID, right. God forbid, for a third time. Who, long, who knows how long he's going to be out then? He It might be just fine like he did the first day of training camp and only just be out the minimum 10 days for unvaccinated individuals. Mm -hmm. Then again, he could be out for a month. And depending on what time of the month he's out, I mean, if he go, if he's out like the first three, four weeks of the season, that's not that big a deal. The Ravens right. can bounce back. If he's got to miss the last month or so and the Ravens are in a heated playoff race, you really think Trace McSorley is going to lead that team to the playoffs? I don't. No, I mean we've seen Robert Griffin III have to take meaningful snaps and playoff. Games He's not even the on past. the team anymore. Right. He's not an even on the list. But, right, but point being, like it's never a good thing when the Ravens' backup has to go in and take snaps in you know meaningful games. And yeah, it's an interesting conversation just because of that whole leadership aspect and putting your team kind of in a bad spot. I mean, Lane Kiffin has talked about it's you know the last couple of days. Um, you know, it's a responsibility for for people to get the vaccine and football. Nick Saban. You know, Alabama 100% vaccinated or close to it. They're not, these guys are not losing games because their players aren't vaccinated. Like that is not even an option. Um, and it's just, right. you know, without going into where, I, where you stand on the vaccine and where you stand on COVID and, and not, not trying to bring politics into this, but um, just from a competitive standpoint, you hope to see, and just for his health, like you hope to see Lamar right. take it seriously, at least consider getting the, the vaccine and, um, you know, what that might do for, for people who follow him and who have, you know, seen how he believes that, uh, uh, you know, things and try to kind of follow in his footsteps. Maybe that will change some other people's opinions on the vaccine. So um, definitely something to watch. Let's, let's transition here. I want to do uh, a makeshift edition of the big three. If you've been listening to the show, you know, we kind of have this segment where we um, quickly go through the big headlines surrounding Louisville football. Um, and I want to do that this week, but the headlines have been Every day, there's something. There's something a coach said. There'd be far too much for us to kind of narrow down to three things here. So what I want to do is I want, I want our 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 resident journalist here, Matt McGavick, to break down training camp in the big three by giving us the big three takeaways of training camp. Starting with takeaway number one, Matt. Big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Well, number one, I this is a much younger team than I think either me or you truly realize. I know, and I know that there are going to be a lot of newcomers, a lot of young guys, a lot of true freshmen, you know, things of that nature. It, it didn't dawn on me how young this team truly was until uh, Coach Satterfield said it on day one of fall camp. He said that, now this is taking into account true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and 
second year quote unquote freshman because in the redshirt red shirt freshman Richard yeah. well not even that it, it's people it's guys who are actually sophomores but because of the extra year of eligibility they're still viewed in the eyes right. of the NCAA as quote unquote freshmen so they kind of wrap into this too take into account those three types of players and Louisville Louisville's got 80 80 freshmen between walk-ons and scholarship players 80 of their 116 players on the roster there are 116 players that took part in fall camp day one. 80 of them were freshmen. I didn't realize how young this team was until yeah, I heard that. It's, like, it's crazy. I heard Scott, Scott Satterfield say that last weekend. I wasn't able to get out to the open practice, uh, but I did hear him say that. And I texted you that this afternoon as I was re-listening to some of those press conferences and just complete amazement. And that includes, like you said, the Jordan Watkins of the world, like the guys who were freshmen last season, who are freshmen again, just based off of the, what the death chart reads. But um, you know, there's two ways you can look at this. So really there's a couple of different angles. One Scott Satterfield has a blank canvas, right? I mean, 80 guys, I know a lot of those are walk-ons, but 80 guys who you can mold to be the the face of your program in a few years and really get this thing going. You know, that's a big, that's a big cluster of players that are going to slowly rise up. Not all of them will make it to their senior year here, but you know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that's a, that's a big group of guys who can eventually lead the way. Um, And the other way you can look at it is, you know, I know he's not using it as an excuse here, but uh, you know, I don't want to be on the John Calipari side of excuses of where a young football team. Right. Exactly. When games start to go maybe the other way. Like, I don't want to hear that. that yeah, youth that, is that an shouldn't excuse. be an excuse, especially with the, the veteran guys that are on the roster. Exactly. Right. And, and by no means am I saying that Scott Satterfield was bringing that up as like, I'm going to sneak this excuse in here for later on that I can go back and say, hey, remember I said this, but you're right. It's just overwhelming amount of young players. Just, you know, quickly what, from your eyes, I heard Mark Rick say that he thought Louisville's practice was super organized and he was just surprised by how quickly it moved. Did you kind of see similar, like similar things or could you tell like, okay, that's a group of freshmen out there that are really taking taking place in this for the first time i i mean it, it was kind of hard to truly watch everything at once because it was going over about two and a half practice fields heck the offensive linemen were practicing kind of off to the side on the the field that a lot of the special teamers guys practice on but from what i saw with position drills uh 11 on 11 seven on sevens things like that it, it looks pretty well organized now i know you could say that for a lot of programs across division one football fbs football yada 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 but I agree with coach Rick. It looked like a really well organized uh, practice and whatnot. And, and kind of building off of one of, uh, of his other points and going into my second takeaway, they, his uh, quote was, they looked like a really well conditioned team. And my second takeaway from Big three, come on. just the limited amount of, you know, practice and drills that I've seen is that the strength and conditioning staff needs a bleeping raise because a lot of those guys look just absolutely jacked yaya diaby is jacked caleb banks is a monster quinterio cole i know he hasn't been as well ingrained with the strength and conditioning coach and staff and whatnot doesn't sound like he needs it though no 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 i took one look at him and i thought he was a linebacker i didn't know i thought it was like a a walk a someone down the depth chart with the linebackers. Yeah. And then I've looked at the reference, the numbers reference sheet and it's, it's Q Cole. Yeah. This dude's got biceps as big as my bleeping head. I mean, he's, <laughs> that's a big bicep. He's look, if, if, there, if I had to pick one person who's going to be like a heavy hitter on this team, I'm, I'm picking him because he looks like he could 
remember like back in the day how ESPN had that segment jacked up. He is someone that's going to be on that that segment right there. He's going to light someone up. And that's that safety spot. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier in the offseason. That safety spot historically for Louisville has always been filled with, you know, really bit hard hitting guys when you go you all the, the back next to, Louisville slugger Calvin right, Pryor. <laughs> right. Or Kerry Rhodes or, you know, Hakeem Smith or, um, you know, there, the list goes on and on of guys, uh, Josh Harvey Clemens. Uh, I mean, I know Kane pass wasn't necessarily a great, you know, um, uh, in pass coverage, but man, could Kane pass hit somebody in the open mm-hmm. field. So, um, that safety spot getting to, to hear the praise for Cole. I, I tweeted yesterday afternoon, just kind of reading through some of your comments when they talk about Quinterio Colts, it reminds me a lot of Cottrell Clark last year. Like this guy who showed up, they weren't really sure, but they thought maybe there was something there. And then they start to see it. They're like, no, just wait. You remember last offseason how giddy they were talking about Trey Clark? Like every every time, like Matt, you would ask a question like, uh, you know, how's, how's Malik's progression as a passer? They would say, yeah, it's really good. But then there's this cornerback over here. Cottrell Clark has been making plays. Like they would go out of their way to praise him. Felt a lot of the same thing here for, for Q Cole. And I love to And in see the it. spring, they were doing the same thing with Kenderick Duncan. So yeah. and there's two safeties who they're just gleaming over because I know Brian Brown said that uh, Duncan's got all ACC potential. And then I see in the early goings of fall camp that Q Cole was just looks like a monster. And, and I think Brown said that he looked really good in the, in the scrimmage the other day too. So like, even though both are the starting safety should are newcomers, I feel relatively confident about at least about the, the first ring guys beyond then it's a little bit more youthful. I know Ben Perry's a highly, Highly ranked freshman, but he, he is still a freshman. Yes, What's up, man? All right, I will continue your point for you because I do want to point out, I thought it was interesting um, that Brian Brown essentially kind of named the them starters. I mean, he said that they were taking all the first-team reps, which is still early in camp, so those things are going to kind of shake out wherever they shake out. But um, I, I think that, you know, that two deep kind of came out and made it seem like Ben Perry was the starter. We talked about how Cole just wasn't here long enough yet at that point to really – uh, be able to claim himself as the starter. But now um, they're at the point where they're actually taking snaps. These guys are out on the field. The coaches are seeing them um, and they're actually able to tell like, okay, these are the guys that we can lean on here in the secondary. And and I know multiple people asked over the course of Brian Brown's media availability on like Monday uh, and then Brian Brown's media availability on media day. Uh, and multiple times Brown uh, just really acknowledged how comfortable he is with his secondary. You know, he mentioned that the safeties are new, but, um, between those two guys, between Ben Perry, who's you know a freshman, between uh, Breland Oliver, another freshman, they've they've talked about how Chandler Jones has the the versatility now um, to play at that strong safety spot. I, I saw that Brian Brown even said that Greedy Vance is like a one A and one B, one C. So that means now you've got three guys that you can count on in coverage. Uh, so it's really really encouraging to see Coach Brown um, happy with that secondary because uh, if I had to watch another play with Isaiah Hayes, Jack Fago. Uh, and those guys at safety, I would have to just pull my eyes out of my head. I couldn't do it anymore, Matt. I just can't yeah, do it. I, I don't blame you there. I mean, God, God bless Isaiah Hayes. And I, I guess I can say this now that he's not with the program anymore, but he was bad. He's the worst safety that's played at Louisville. He in a was long time. so bad. Yeah. The, I, 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 the amount of times last year where you would watch film and he just got bit hard and he got hurtled over like, Twice. twice twice i have the picture i tweeted out last year of him getting hurdled over twice in two weeks quite impressive feat there to be able to do that all right matt are we on takeaway three is that where we're at now we, we are on takeaway three, Big three. Come on. actually honestly you kind of hammered on a lot of my points i was going to make i based i know i only saw one camp i didn't no one got to see the scrimmage outside of the guys that were in-house 
But ba- based on what I've seen, based on what I've heard, I really do think the defense is primed to take that next step. Now, they already they already took a really large step from 2019 to 2020, being ranked in the top 40 in most of like the major defensive stats and as, as high as the 17th-ranked passing defense uh, last year. And based on what I've seen, based on how comfortable I've seen guys, I know a lot of the coaches over the last, last season, a big talking point was the game slowing down for them, the, them um, react. Uh, how do how do I phrase it? Not necessarily reacting and just acting. Like I, I'm probably butchering. No, the, no, I, but I, I get what you're saying phrase. though. Right. Yeah. Not thinking as much. Yes. Reacting and yeah. reacting and not thinking. I know right. I've, it's like, you would think I'd have that coaching trope and cliche down by this point, but phew, even on the Lord's day, it's hard to get all, all that memorized. But anyways, um, I really do think that this defense is going to be a, not only better than they were last season, but a lot better because they are just flying around. They're a lot more comfortable. They seem a lot more knowledgeable about the system. Several guys that came in last year that were key contributors who weren't as ingrained in the system now have an additional offseason. Guys like Hytro Clark and hot take stamp it right here. I think he's going to be an All-American. Which he, one? Clark? He, Clark, yeah. Okay. He's just, he's just okay. that good. I, I, I could I like be, it. I could be dead ass wrong, but I really do believe he he has the potential to be an All American. Maybe not a first team All American or something of that, something like that. But I'm thinking like right. you know third team All American because there's right. plenty of good defensive backs all across college football. I mean, like you can't go an entire day without like pro football focus just raving about Derek Stingley down at LSU and other guys like him. But I I really do think this, this especially the secondary now. My concern a little bit is some of the depth behind them in the secondary because the first group is really well. Not right. to say the guys behind them are bad, but there is a little bit of a talent drop off. Now there's a lot of potential. Yeah, it's a lot of first youth. group guys. A lot, of, a lot of youth, right? So you're relying yeah. on the Braylon Olivers. Um, I can't remember his first. Like, name. How, Shab- how many times Shabarik have we Williams, used? the new the guy that just came in? Trey Franklin was a guy that they've been kind. Of, I know he's not necessarily playing at safety, but um, he's another guy that they've been talking about making plays in camp. Yeah. And how many times have we used the phrase unproven depth? A lot. That's kind of been like what you could name their album uh, if this staff had one for the first three their years. EP. Would be un, un, yeah, their EP would be called Unproven Depth. So like, because that's what they've had for three years. We've heard that every year. At some point, that I think they become I, proven. So I think it I think it will start to get proven. Get proven. We'll, be, proven. Be, be proven. Be proven. Prove it. Prove it. Prove it. Go I ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really think that quote unquote unproven death will start to be a little bit more known this season because a lot of those guys that were a part of the unproven depth will start to get some of the reps, maybe not immediately, but at least yeah. I think halfway this season, they'll start to get hammer out their rotations and get a little more comfortable with what they want to call. All right. So moving out of the big three here now, and just kind of a general conversation as we wrap up the the show here, just uh, you, we, we've talked about a lot of the encouraging things. The staff has really gone all in this off season, especially in the last week. I've heard more praise. They've praised for, you know, the coaches do that as they work through their teams and try to figure it out. They point out what's good, whatever. What I have heard in the last week of media availability is more praise than I have ever heard from this coaching staff. More, we have the best this that we've ever had since we've been here. We have the best depth. We have the best offensive line. Hell, Jack Bignell's been coaching for 30 years. This is the best offensive line he's ever had. So I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, it, it, it goes beyond praise. Like they are expectations is where I'll put it. Very high expectations. Yeah. 
So let's go ahead and put this out here because this sound is going to be thrown back in our faces if Louisville is not very good. But are you buying it? Are you buying it? That's the question. Are you buying the praise and expectations that they're putting out there? Or are you worried somewhere in your head um, that the fan side of you, obviously you're writing regardless of whether they win or lose, but the fan side of you, are you kind of worried that this is just, you know, this is coach speak. And when they get out on the field, maybe these guys just aren't good enough. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to take all this coach speak at face value because I mean, you hear this crap all the time, but when you've got so many guys pretty much saying the same thing ad nauseum Mm -hmm. at some point, even if it is a bold face lie, you can't help but start to buy into it at least a little bit. Yeah. Cause I mean, if, if they're all saying it and they're all constantly saying it, you can't help but start to think maybe even though you haven't, I haven't been able to physically see these guys perform a lot. You can't help but start to think maybe, maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Maybe there's yeah. something that a lot of other people are not seeing. I, I don't think it's going to be the case, like quote unquote best that it's ever been, at least in their tenure here across the board. I, I do think that there's probably going to be some units that struggle a little bit. I've I, based on what I've heard, I'm not sure there's going to be like a quote unquote go-to guy in the receiver room. Right. It sounds like that hasn't developed. I'm not to say the wide receiver room bad. Right. But, right. But I mean, they got eight or nine guys that coach Satterfield. I think you were the one that asked that question about that. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Sat said they've got six or seven core guys. Yeah. Now I don't know if someone's going to separate themselves between now and at some point in the season. And, but like the offensive line, uh, the secondary, the linebacking yeah. core. I think line, yeah. Maybe not even I think I will list those three because I think those three have the potential to be the best it's been yeah. in the under this current coaching staff. Because the offensive line's got the depth and they've retained a lot of guys. I think the you're linebacking one. the linebacking core has a yeah. ton of veterans, and then Brian Bound is really high on the newcomers behind there. And then in the secondary, I mean, we saw the secondary did last year. Granted, there's yeah. been a lot of shuffling of players since then, but they're, they're even higher on the secondary now than they were last year. I mean, there's still a little bit of question marks with D-line. You, you wonder if they're finally going to be able to generate more pressure, specifically in the pass rush. With wide receivers, I already mentioned that. With running backs, you're not as worried about. because you, 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 Jalen Mitchell's probably going to get the starting job. It's just a matter of, like, what kind of rotation they're going to opt to because they don't know if they're going to go feature back. They don't know if they're going to go, like, five-man rotation. Like, it's all on the table. And then with Malik, I'm not as worried about him because it sounds like based on all of the overhauls and hit not really overhauls in his game, but how, how much he spent in the film room trying to correct what happened last year. It seems like he's in line for a bounce back here. And actually I do want to mention something. How ludicrous is it that Frank Ponce had a rule that his quarterbacks could not run out of bounds? Well, I guess that's why he is the offensive coordinator at Appalachian state. Like, I know some people said, Oh, this is old news. And I'm just like, if this was old news, I'm sure there's like a lot more people would know about this. I didn't know about I this. I do remember, I think it was Malik Cunningham that made that comment kind of like pass, like passing by in a press conference last year. And I remember people being like, well, that's strange, but there's no way that's real. Um, and then Malik said that last week and or whoever it was that said it. And I, that, I, I don't get it, especially for a guy like him, who's like, every time he gets hit, he looks like he's, you know, crossing the line of depth. Like he, he, he takes every hit so much harder than most quarterbacks do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, you mentioned the quarterback. I think that's the the spot. Like if I had to boil down why I think this team is going to be better just off the top of my head, I, like one, I don't think Malik Cunningham is going to throw 12 interceptions. Okay. No, I, I listen to them talk about turnovers a lot. 
Uh, go ahead. Because like a lot of those turnovers, I know we've talked about this a couple times before, I guess, but a lot of those turnovers were kind of fluky. Now, yeah. not, all of, not all of them were fluky. Obviously, Malik did have some uh, decision-making issues at times last year that obviously he needs to correct. Right. But like a lot of those, I, I do want to say this one thing. David Hale, uh, fantastic follow on Twitter. He's with, he writes for the uh, writes for ESPN mm-hmm. about the ACC. He always puts out tremendous amount of stats relating to players, teams, programs, things of that nature. He one day over the summer was breaking down. I I can't remember like the exact topic, but it was it was turnovers, obviously. But mm-hmm. I think he was talking about specifically the flukiness yes, of the them lu- all. Yeah, there was some luck stats. I mean, I'm like, this, this is incredible. This was, this was weird because like the two outliers in the entire nation were both in the ACC and on opposite ends of the spectrum. He f- lined off with Syracuse, who by all accounts was absolute just bleep last year. But they had, they had, well, they were like top five in the nation in takeaways. But Hale did a little bit of background research and that a lot of their turnovers were boiled down to luck. And what he meant by that, like there were turnovers that were not third or fourth down and outside of 16 point, like a 16 point swing in either direction. I'm probably butchering that situation yeah. a little bit, but it's no, but I, basically I totally a situation it, yeah. where it's not as aggressive and a lot more turnover turnovers come down to luck. Syracuse yeah. led the because I think he said 115 of the 128 FBS teams kind of fell between the negative five to plus five range in this area. Syracuse was like plus seven, plus eight in this department. Yeah. And Louisville was negative nine. And this was in like on in times where like turnovers are a lot a little bit more fluky Syracuse was a was extremely lucky in getting the lucky inter, the lucky turnovers Louisville was on the opposite end it was ex, and it was extremely unlucky about losing turnovers and getting turnovers yeah so it, it was absolutely brutal and it was the reason they lost a lot of the games that they did so okay so you take that so they're gonna they're gonna be better there like I really do think that they'll be better there up front they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Coach Satterfield talked about how all five of their guys are over 300 pounds. They feel like they've got the size now. They've even, Scott Satterfield, I, I interestingly heard him say they've got a six starter, essentially. You know, he called Brian Hudson a starter on this offensive line. Yeah, um, he's referencing like that a lot for a while now. So Which it's going to be interesting you, to see. Exactly but. why I said during the, the offensive line depth chart that I'm interested to see who's the guy. Where's the guy that he kind of steps into? Is it Adonis Boone? Is it Renato Brown? Is it, you know, Cole Bentley? Some, is it, maybe if it's even Trevor Reed, I don't know. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. So your offensive line is better. Your defensive line, is deeper, bigger, stronger, faster. Um, you have multiple guys there that can make plays. You bring nearly everybody back. You've got six years, seven year guys that are there to provide leadership. You're going to be better there. You're going to create more sacks. Yaya Diaby called out. He thinks he can get 10. Um, you know, Monty Montgomery, another thing that Diaby called out was the leader in sacks last year is a reserve this year. He's the, the guy. So, um, those numbers are probably going to go up defensively. They're going to definitely, uh, improve, especially with interceptions. Coach Brown said that he thought they dropped 13 interceptions last year. Scott Satterfield said they dropped seven somewhere in between there. They dropped they're, a lot. That's all completely you need to know. Diff- And we said what we say all off season, they led the, the they led the NCAA in what? 
missed dropped turnovers. interceptions. Yes. And missed turnovers, almost being there, but not being quick enough. So assuming yeah. they get all of that wrapped up, this so, is a team that goes from four wins to what? Seven, eight. Yeah. I mean, Cause the, the there were a lot of, there were a lot of pick and games. Uh, I don't want to say pick and games, but a lot of games within like single scores or single digits, like flip just a couple of those games. And Louisville's got a markedly better record. And just real quick, I want to correct myself because sure. I, I remember writing about this. It was on first and second down with the score within 16 points. Because I remember writing about this. A situation where turnovers can be largely attributed to luck rather than aggressive play. The Cardinals had the worst turnover margin in the wow. nation at negative nine. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And there's so many things that go into that. We, we were talking, I was uh, with Keith Wynn yesterday, just having a casual conversation at a cookout about fluky turnovers like that's damn where was my invite hey man when you get a kid man you get invited to some different places that you would never get invited to. plus before. he is your so, neighbor exactly he is just right across the street from me but yeah we had an interesting conversation about the turnovers and it's just that you know it's such a big part of the 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 offseason narratives and assuming they just fix it a little bit this is a team that i think is going to be back to that six seven uh win area and the other thing is and this, this cannot go unnoted, okay? I know for a lot of people, they'll call it an excuse, but missing out on a full offseason last year, you don't get the Ashton Gelati's coming in at 212 and getting them to 260 without that, that offseason. What Coach Mike Saragano, um, uh, Matt Summers, who is on the athletic training staff, I'm pretty sure, um, mm-hmm. they have done an incredible job of, of helping these guys change Take their bodies. number two, they deserve yeah. a raise. Exactly, right. We, we can go, we're, we are their hype men. Like, you know, Coach Mike doesn't need a hype guy, but like we can be the hype raise guy of why he needs a raise um and didn't he didn't he interestingly enough uh, not to bring south carolina up but didn't he get a job offer from them like two years ago was it i remember yeah i remember year one in the offseason somebody was coming after him really hard and i want to say it was south carolina uh, that's just a random side note. I don't know why. I, just I thought don't of that. remember. Yeah, that, it happened though. I do. I'm, remember sure, that. I'm sure. But anyways, it like some the, now these teams are going to start to see Yaya Diaby and and uh, Quinterio Cole step on the field and be like, holy hell, who is their athletic trainer? Like, we need that guy. Uh, so kudos to them. And then the other thing is the leadership team. They talked about they met every single week from spring all the way through summer and now into fall camp. That leadership, the 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 ten strong. I know mm-hmm. it sounds corny when you're losing. Uh, but when you're winning, it's a big part of it. And so I think right. that that's another thing that's going to contribute to them being better. Yeah. Guys like Stu Holt, CJ Avery's, uh, Coach Ragnado. And there, there's a plethora of the guys was just the first one that came off the top of my yeah. head. But like a lot of those guys, like you said, meet every week. They have conversations and they in turn rally to their respective position group and just try and rally the troops. And so far, based on like what we've heard from almost all every coach that we've talked to, it seems like a lot of these uh, position groups are have taken a large step forward in terms of uh, maturity, leadership, all the stuff that doesn't show up on a stat sheet. Exactly. You're, you, you nailed it. And those things will matter when games are on the line and they're in those moments. There's just so many interesting things listening to the press conferences and just nuggets, you know, of players who, you know, being tell, just dropping these insightful things. I, like Yaya Diaby mentioned that like last year, Trevor Reed just wasn't mentally there, wasn't ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder how many of those guys that last season, just with everything going on, couldn't get their mind around football or back and how much better this team is going to be because of it. And I don't want to sound like like a like a homer fan like if i was just a, a media person listening to this i would feel an, encouraged about the way that louisville is going to be come uh september 6th when they step out on the field against Ole miss i mean i think they're a seven win team and the stats show too i know uh i 
updated my personal prediction. Hold your predictions. Don't you dare put your prediction into this podcast. We're going to do a full podcast on that. And don't you dare put it in your what you're going to say. That save, save the goodies for later, man. I know you know Sorry, better. I, save I, the goodies I, for later. I know. I, I get ahead of myself. Once I get talking, you got a big I just old smile on your face. You're just so excited to tell everybody how many wins you predicted. They, they can go and find – tell them where they can was, go and find all of your work right now so that they <laughs> if they want to read into that a little bit more, they can do so. They can go on si.com slash college slash Louisville. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Louisville on SI. You can do the same handle on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me. If you want to follow me for some dumb reason, you can go, go to at General Wasp. And there's where you'll find all my content. And Beautiful. I go to I go to almost all the press conferences. And I front and center, should, baby. Damn right. You and, love it when I send you pictures of press conferences with your face circled. Do you like that? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard not to be front and center for a virtual press conference. <laughs> Amazing seeing you always at the bottom of my screen when I'm watching press conferences. But anyways, it's uh, it's been a great week. I will say, don't you go getting a big head on me now. I've seen people praising you for your coverage during week one of, of uh, nah, fall Stay camp. humble, don't man. You, yeah, you better stay humble. I don't I don't need you going out Sit there. Sit down. Be humble. And Lamar Jackson would tell you nobody cares. Work harder. So uh, mm-hmm. carry that into week two. Just real quickly before we get out of here, what are you excited about this week coming up? Anything? Is it just sleep? Does it does sleep? Because <laughs> we're recording Sunday and, and Monday, they've they either have no practice tomorrow or they've got availability off. I'm gonna be honest with you, it's gonna be nice to sleep. <laughs> Full day of sleeping for Matt, but somehow Matt will write an article Don't about the wrong. preseason stats I, from Sunday night, and you'll have that for when you need it. Hey, if if I was allowed to attend, you you already know I would have written something about that. I mean, I'm the I'm the kind of guy that goes to a charity softball game that takes stats. stats. Right, I saw you out there with your pen and paper at the at the football practice taking notes. You're just uh, you you met you warm my heart, man. Knowing you personally and then seeing you out there grinded, it's incredible. All right, that's enough love fest here for Matt. Uh, as, as he said, make sure you're following him at General Wasp. He is doing a great job of covering. I am doing a great job of taking care of two kids. You can cover me and uh, or you can follow me on Twitter uh, if you're interested in what that looks like at Jacob Lane 08. A lot of baby pictures. Little Liam uh, has definitely made his <laughs> side note. His little one. boy looks like a linebacker in the making. Hey, the doctor said when they pulled him out, you got a linebacker on your hands. So that's what we uh, are hoping for. Really, I'm hoping he's going to be a point God guard. God bless your six, wife two, for birthing that big head. Hey, man, my my ba- my first baby, my daughter Ruby, was 10 pounds, 13 ounces when she was born. So we produce big babies around here, man. That's just what we do. Uh, but How they, do y'all produce such massive babies? And y'all are – you guys down, are, are short and, and not big – like hey, big no. bodies or anything. How did you guys produce I'm, linebackers look, and centers? She's, she's tall. She's like five seven. I'm thick with two C's. So you combine <laughs> those together and you get chunky babies. It's just the way it goes, man. So uh, enough about that. that. Uh, we've got a great week coming up. We're going to be dropping our first couple of episodes, looking into the uh, 2021 Louisville football schedule. We are excited to have on uh, Ruby Dre, who covers uh, Ole Miss for Red Cup Rebellion to start, and then uh, we'll be jumping into Central Florida and so on and so forth. After that so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and tuned in for that uh, matt and i are also uh, going to be recording and releasing here soon our final bits of the depth chart linebacker safety corner we may even may even talk a little special teams i don't know i'm, I'm interested Ooh, to talk about spicy. a 25 year old freshman punter who has had a mortgage and already sold his house i'm interested mock, in that. Yeah. mock listen to satterfield's horrible australian accent I'm not even going to try to replicate a horrible Australian accent. I already struggle enough with the Scott Satterfield, North Carolina accent. So maybe I'll practice on that next time. We'll save that for another episode. You've been listening to From the Pink Seats podcast. I am Jacob Lane. He is Matt McGavick, and we will catch you next time. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.